You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast recorded with Hashem's great help in Ramapi Shemesh Israel 5769-2009. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Vayechi. I'd like to share with you a beautiful concept that I heard in the name of Rabbi Goldstein, who is a Rosh Yeshiva, the head of the Yeshiva of Shara Yosher in Jerusalem. And uh, this whole vort, the whole concept that I'm going to speak about, is from him. So at the very beginning of the Parsha, he noted that Rashi says that if you look inside of a Torah scroll, so usually between one Parsha and the next, between the different uh, sedras, between the different portions of the Parsha that we read from week to week, so there's, there's usually a brand new line that started for the new Parsha in the Torah. This is the only place that we find in the entire Torah that there's no space, or there's a very small space, you don't start a new line. Uh, when going from one parsha to the next. So Rashi explains why is it sasum? Sasum means closed. Why is it closed? Why is there a connection, so to speak, between the previous parsha and this parsha? And he says it's closed because it's coming to teach you that Yaakov Avinu, Jacob, he wanted, when he was giving the blessings to his 12 sons, they were all standing around him, he wanted to give the blessings, and he wanted, before he gave the blessings, to reveal to the to the children, to his children when Mashiach was going to come, when the Messiah is going to come. However, he it was sasum, it was closed from him. He had the knowledge before, it was lost from him, he was not able to reveal it. That's why the in the Torah, it's actually closed between the previous Parsha and this week's Parsha. So the question that he asked is, why was it necessary for Yaakov, you know, for Jacob, to have it revealed to him? He knew when Mashiach was going to come, when Messiah was going to come. And then all of a sudden, he loses that information. What did he have the information in the first place for if he wasn't going to be able to give it over? That's the first question. Let's hold on to that question. We're going to move forward to a Gemara. The Gemara speaks about this event, and there's a question that we need to understand in this Gemara as well. The Gemara says like this, that when Yaakov Avinu and Jacob was surrounded by his 12 sons, and he was about to reveal the Kades when Mashiach was going to come, so for some reason, it became that he wasn't able to reveal that information. He forgot the information. So he became worried, says the Gemara. He was worried perhaps one of his 12 sons was imperfect. Perhaps one of them... Uh, was worshipping idolatry. Maybe someone didn't properly believe in God. Maybe there's something wrong. That's why he wasn't able to reveal the information. So the 12 sons that surrounded him, they said to him, Shema Yisrael. His name was Yisrael. Yaakov was also called Yisrael. They said, Hear, O Israel. Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. Hashem our God, Hashem is one. Meaning they said, don't be worried, you don't have to worry about anything. We completely believe in God. We completely believe, and there's, that's not the reason why Hashem didn't want you to reveal the information. Upon hearing this, he said the words, Baruch Shem Kivod Machusol Olam Va'ed. Blessed is the name of the honor of God's kingdom forever and ever. Now what's very interesting is that when we say Shema, so we say Shema twice a day. We say the verse, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. Hero Israel Hashem our God Hashem is one. And then we say this this verse, Baruch Shem Blessed is the name of the honor of his kingship for an ever, forever and ever, is actually not in the Torah. It doesn't say it. But in deference to this statement that Yaakov Avinu made, because he responded to the Shema Israel by saying Baruch Shem, we say it as well. However, since it was never said in the Torah, the Torah doesn't actually bring down this verse, so clearly it's not something that we're supposed to say out loud. So instead, what do we do? We say it quietly. So the Gemara says, What's this comparable to? The Gemara brings a parable. There was once a princess, a basmelech, a princess who comes home, and when she comes into the house, into the castle, so she smells this beautiful cake, the delicious smelling aroma of the cake wafting down from the kitchen. And she walks into the house and she really desires that cake. However, so she wants to say, 
Just give me some of that cake. It smells so good. Give me some of the cake. But it's not befitting of a princess to say that. So she doesn't know what to do. She doesn't know if she should say it or she shouldn't say it. So then the what the what her servants do is they come out and quickly and quietly they come out with the cake and they give her the piece of cake. So similar to that, just like this Bas Melech, this princess, who couldn't say it, couldn't say, give me the cake, please. So similarly, we also can't say, Baruch Shem out loud. And we can't just not say it at all. Just like the princess, who she wanted that cake, she couldn't just not say it at all. So rather what we do is, we say Baruch Shem quietly. So this Gemar needs explanation. What's going on here? Why is it that this, what's, what's the comparison to the cake? What's the smell that she smells? What is it? Why is it that we have to say Baruch Hashem quietly? We're not sure what to do. Why can't we say this first Baruch Hashem Kavomach out loud? Why do we have to say it quietly? What's the understanding of this? He brought another Gemar. The Gemar brings down a story that happened with Rabbi Akiva. One time Rabbi Akiva came to a certain town and he was looking for a place to stay. And in the entire town, there was nobody who would give him a place to stay. He went from door to door and perhaps asking for a place to stay. No one would let them stay in his house. So what did Rabbi Kiva do? So he had to sleep outside of the city. And he had with him a nair, a candle. And he had with him a tarnagol, a rooster. And he had with him a chamor, a donkey. And so in the middle of the night, or before he went to sleep perhaps, so the candle went out and he wasn't able to, to see anything. And then the Tarnagol did rooster, something came along and took away the rooster. And then the third thing that happened was his chamor, his mule died. So each time one of these things happened to him, he was always saying, Everything that God does is for the best. And he didn't get upset that he didn't have a place to stay, he didn't get upset that the, the candle went out, he didn't get upset that his, his rooster was taken away, and he didn't get upset that his donkey, his mule was gone. Anyway, so in the morning he woke up and he saw that what had happened was there had been a group of bandits who came and they killed everyone in the city. And if the light would have been on, they would have noticed that he was there. And if his tarnagol, his chicken, would have been around making noise, they would have known he was there. And if his donkey would have been alive and would have brayed, he would have they would have known that he was there. So each of these things he realized afterwards, he was able to see that in fact, it was to his advantage that all of these seemingly negative things happened. Rav Goldstein explained that this story with Rabbi Akiva is actually a dogma, an example, or a mashal, a parable for us, for the Jewish people, as we go through the galus, the exile that we exist in to this day. How is that? Because as we walk through the, the exile, so there are so many different things that confound us, that make it difficult for us, that darken our lives. We can't see, we can't feel, we can't understand. There's so many different things. First of all, we can't see. We can't see with the light of the Torah. We can't see the light of spirituality. We're completely blinded. Second of all, we can't even feel. We can't connect to our own emotions. We're so darkened in the gullus, we can't even connect to our emotions. And second of all, the physicality of the world completely overtakes us. Those are the three different things that overtake us in our exile that make it quite difficult to reattach ourselves to God and to reattach ourselves to spirituality. Sister of Goldstein, all of these things are actually represented in the story of Rabbi Akiva. Because Rabbi Akiva came to this town, he came to this city, and he was looking around, there was nowhere for him to go. He was sent out of the city. In a certain sense, it's like the Jewish people being sent out into Gullus. We, can't, we have nowhere to be, we don't have a place to call our own. 
And what happens? So we, what do we have with us? We have the, the nair, the light that represents the light of the Torah, the light of the seichel, the light of the intellect. And then we have with us a tarnagal. A tarnagal is also called a sechvi. A sechvi has to do with the lev, the heart being able to tell the difference between different things, to be able to be margish, to feel. That's what the tarnagal, the chicken, represents. Then we have with us the chamor. The chamor means the mule, but the word chamor also comes from the word chumrius, which means physicality. Because because the, the physical world also is something that's meant to help us in our spiritual quest. However, what happens in the darkness of Gullus out in exile? So the Seichel, the light of that, that candle, the light of the Torah of spirituality gets put out. We can't see. And then what happens? The Tarnagal, the Sechvi, the rooster, which gives us a sense of our hearts, the ability to be mavchin, to be able to tell a difference between different things, that regesh, that feeling, it's something that gets taken away. We don't have that either. And then what happens? The Chumrius, the physicality being used in the right way as a, as a vehicle for the spiritual. We lose that as well. And we think, we look around at the world in such a dark world, and all we can see is everything is horrible, everything is so dark and difficult. But like Rabbi Kivas said, everything that God does is for the best. And at this point, we may not see it, but, but like Rabbi Akiva was able to see it at, at the end, he saw that ultimately it was for his best, it was for his benefit. So too, we'll be able to see that even though there's a tremendous darkness in the world, nevertheless, there's still, all this darkness is in order to be able to shine the unbelievable light at the end of days when Mashiach comes, when the Messiah comes. Now, in the story of Rabbi Kiva, there was something that was taking place that was the same at the beginning of the story, in the middle of the story, and at the end of the story. Throughout the story, Rabbi Kiva was always saying, Everything that God does is for the best. And even at the darkest moments, when he couldn't see it, when it was difficult to see, when it was impossible to see it, he just couldn't understand, why is this happening? But nevertheless, he said, Everything that God does is for the best. And then in the end of the story, he was in fact able to see that everything that God did was for the best. But if we could imagine, when Rabbi Kiba originally said, or better said, if it were me or you that were involved in the story, and and it happened to us, and we had the ability, the fortitude to be able to say, everything that God has done is for the best. There would be a little quiver in our voice. I don't know how loud we would say that everything that God does is for the best when something that's so difficult, something that's so challenging happens. It would be quiet. But then at the end of the story, when, when we come and we see that it was really something that saved us, we would scream it out. We would thank Hashem and we thank God and say, everything that God does is for the best. We would say it with a full voice. But at the time when it originally happened, it's not so easy to say it in a full voice. It's the same thing when we come back, when we're trying to understand, why do we say, Baruch Shem Kivoy quietly? Why do we say, Blessed is the name of the honor of God's kingdom forever and ever? What does Malchus mean? Malchus, the concept of kingship, as we mentioned a number of times, is that you have a person like David HaMelech, King David. He so was mavatal himself, he so totally nullified his own ego, that if you would look at the man, David HaMelech, King David, all you would see was a reflection, complete reflection of the divine. That's what Malchus is. When you look in the world and you look out and you see a reflection of the divine. So right now when we look out, for us to say, for us to say, blessed is the name of the kingship of God forever and ever, it's not something that we see right now. It's not something that we can 
we can truly sense. And that's why we have to say quietly, just like if we were in Rabbi Akiva's shoes and something negative happened and we didn't understand it, we would say it quietly. That's the same thing over here. That's why the Bas Melech in the Mashal, in the parable, she comes in and she smells it. She doesn't see it. She doesn't know for sure. She knows. She smells it. There's a very strong scent. But she can't say it out loud. Please, can I have some of that cake? Because it's not so clear that the cake is really there. It's inappropriate for her to say it. And that's why they have to bring it in quietly from behind the scenes in order for her to be able to get it. Yes, it's there. Yes, it's important that she have it. Yes, it's the same thing as us. Yes, we have the ability to see God's hand. It's very difficult at times. It's something that we have to say quietly because it's not totally apparent. But we do say it nonetheless. We can't not say it at all. We can't skip out and say, well, I don't see God's hand so clearly, so therefore I'm not going to say anything. No, we have to be machazik and strengthen ourselves. God's hand is behind everything. Even when things are dark, even when things are dismal, we still have to be able to say it and we still have to know that every single thing that occurs is really bringing us to the ultimate day when there will be a redemption. This also comes back to explain why Yaakov Avinu, Jacob, why was it necessary for him to know in the first place? Why did he have to know when the Geula, the redemption was going to be? Why did he have to lose that information? And the answer is because the fact that he knew, he had it inside of him, he knew that there will be a day, there will be a redemption. Everything will have a culmination. All the things that will occur to us throughout history, there's going to be a day when we'll look back and we'll say, At the end we'll look back and see that everything that God did for us was for our best. So that information from the beginning is necessary in order for a Rabbi Akiva, in order for us to be able to say throughout the entire history of the Jewish people that everything that happened is for our best. So we have to be able to know that information from the beginning, that there will be a day that we will look back and say that every single thing that happened to us was for the best. And once we know that that's going to be in the future, we can say it even now. At this moment, when things are difficult, we're looking, you look at the situation in Eretz Yisrael, right here where I live, you look at what's going on, it's very difficult, we don't understand it. Why is God doing this to us? Why are we getting why are we getting hit in a certain sense? You know, there are people they can't live in their homes. They have to literally they have to clear out of their homes, clear out of their towns. There's there's missiles falling all over the place and they can't can't be there. I'm telling you from my own personal experience, my, my kids they're 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 frightened from from the, the concept of the missiles. And there's nothing even falling here. So we ask ourselves why is this happening? What's going on? But we have to know, every single thing that God does is for the best. We don't see it, we don't understand it. But we'll, we have to know that ultimately we will be able to look back and say it was really for our best. God's going to show it to us, just like Rabbi Kiva realized at the end. He did all those things, God did all those things for him. Turned off the flame, he took away his rooster, his, his mule died. All those things looked bad on the surface, but they were truly something that was enabling him to be able to have a redemption of his own, that he shouldn't be killed by those bandits. So to will look back and see that all the things that seemingly were negative and seemingly difficult, they were really for our benefit. Thank you so much for listening and have a very good Shabbos.